From the creators of Relevant Magazine, this is The Relevant Podcast. We have the songs that we sing along to. We have the moves to make me dance with you. I always saw you reaching and catching stars. We have the thing that everyone wanted. Hung on your sleeve, you wore your heart on it. Did you get out on under and where you are? It's Friday, October 5th, 2018, and it's The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and here with me in our Orlando studio on the ones and twos, our illustrious engineer, my brother, Chandler Strang. Hello. On the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. Uh, from Nashville, Tennessee, Tyler Huckabee. Hey, everybody. And down the road there in Nashville, author, <laughs> speaker, podcaster, Annie F. Downs. Good morning, gents. I don't know why I throw a podcaster on there. We are, we're all podcasters, but I mean, you have well, your own show as well. Well, when you dropped Extraordinaire, well. now we're dropping podcaster too. <laughs> I'm not so. dropping it. I'm just saying. You could just, <laughs> just start dropping other just random statements of facts. Human yeah. being. Yeah. You know? yeah. Author, speaker, person, Annie person. F. Downs. Oh, please do that. Church dweller. <laughs> Author, speaker, person, Annie F. Downs. <laughs> I like it. Author, speaker, not quilter. That's right. Amer- American Downs. citizen for now, Annie F. Downs. <laughs> American citizen who loves Scotland, not sure why, That's Annie F. Downs. Non-arrested like person. Oh, as far as y'all know. Uh, hey, coming up, we have a great show in store for you today. Coming up later, uh, For King and Country join us. Their new album, Burn the Ships, drops today, and we have an incredible in-studio performance for you. It is, uh, I, I gotta say this. Uh, we've had a lot of fantastic bands come through over the years. Um, for King and Country came through at a level that I've never experienced. Okay, they rolled 30 people deep, and that is not an exaggeration. <laughs> um, they also, I mean, just in the studio, they had, I mean, Chandler, how many tracks? I mean, 15 people in there recording? Yeah, we, we were maxed out for sure. We it's, had to buy a, a new board after they recorded because we thought we can't handle yeah. for King and Country anymore. I mean, that, I mean, that's so impressive. And uh, and on top of that, we thought, oh no, anybody who rolls deep like that, anybody who's got that many requirements, they're going to be prima donnas. Yeah. yeah, you know, we were like, oh no, this is going to be tough. This is going to be one for the books. Guess what? Nicest people ever. Yeah, it was the opposite. Easiest to work with. So chill. So fun. We had a great time. But uh, was their Australian them. accent legitimate? That's always the question. <laughs> I never saw them crack the armor. I, Nor like, have I. It, yes. I've yeah. known him for years. I've never seen him crack except the one video that I've seen where they cracked. What? Are, we gonna, are we gonna do this again? I thought we were. I thought we were all nervous. About <laughs> this, this. Is, this is like. This is like. The, this is Annie is. She has the passion of like the the Stevie Wonder truthers out there who have scoured the internet <laughs> to find videos that 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 try to show. Yo, that that's, count that's literally me among them. That's my hottest take that I've got. Stevie Wonder can see. Literally the exact I'm a, comparison I'm a truther. that's correct here. Hey, I've seen a video of him catching a mic stand in the middle of performance. Really? I am, that's my like most fervently held conspiracy theory belief hey, is that Stevie Wonder can but see. But his other senses are heightened and he could feel the air current moving around with the pole flying. No, no, no Bobani Jones. Bobani Jones, who's the leader of this, he's like the he's like the flatter he's leader of the Stevie Wonder <laughs> Right? He's I the Kyrie Irvin. How this. do you know his name? Yeah, right. Uh, he he says that he has a friend who works at like Best Buy and sells TVs. 
And Stevie Wonder came in there and was insistent on like the like the 4K. Like, <laughs> well, yeah, because he doesn't want to have like cheap electronics in his I'm, house for his guests. I, I'm just saying, I'm just saying there's a long list of documented evidence. You can find excuses for every single bullet point that I would bring up. But the total put all together, I've, I'm 100% of Steve. When we get the Stevie Wonder cover for Relevant Magazine, my one and only question, it's, we're, we're going to be in and out five minutes. Stevie Wonder, why are you pretending? <laughs> Either way, but but Annie, you have video evidence of yours. We have video evidence of ours. Here's what I'm going to stand by. I am not saying I believe every conspiracy I come across. I just am willing to present them to you. That is how I feel. I'm not. I love Joel and Luke, and I think I respect them, and I think they are probably truly Australian accented. Also, there is a conspiracy theory. That's all. But I'm glad they're on the I'm show. I'm just today. saying there are people out there who believe they're lying. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> who believe that they are liars. <laughs> well, I can tell you this. They are the nicest liars I've ever met in my life because <laughs> we became fast friends and uh, I think they I think they they, they it started you know and they just got into deep. You know what I mean? Like they, they, they started the Australian accent at like and their first like A&R meeting with the record label and they were like, "We'll just do it till we get the record deal and then we can go back." But it was too late at that point. The, you know, That's the right. lie is taking over their lives, you know. That's right, they bro they bro they broke bad long ago with this accent thing. <laughs> I think we're not the only one either. Either we're not the only ones who think this way or we started a movement because I was out with some what? friends last night here in Nashville and somehow the small bones came up and somebody literally said unprompted from me. I don't even think their listeners said we can't talk too loudly because the small bones are everywhere. If there's anything that prestige television has taught me is that, that these these subtle dances with with one subtle little little lie and deception and double life, you know, can can rapidly accelerate to one day you're faking in an Australian accent, the next day you're dissolving a drug dealer in your basement in a vat to hide the evidence. That's oh all God. I'm saying. Wow. We've seen wow. where this goes. Wow. We have seen where this a, goes. That escalated quickly. Know, That's so the quickly. point. That's the point, Cameron. It escalates quickly. That it gets away from you fast, you know. <laughs> so the small bones, uh, Joel and Luke are, you know, for King Country's releasing their new album, Burn the Ships, uh, today, literally today. You can go get it. And the performances are amazing. So that's coming up. We're because, you know, back in the day when we had bands come through and we would have two songs, but we also had two guests, we would do like song. Then we'd have the other guests and we'd do the other song. So today on the show, we're going to kind of break things up. They are our only guests, but we're going to do, after this intro segment, we're going we're gonna to get right into the music and then we'll come back with in case you missed it and uh, then more music at the end. So, you know, got to listen to the whole show today. You don't want to miss any of it. It's yeah. great stuff. Yeah, no fast forwarding this time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this isn't like a Chili's moment. Yeah. You're going to miss good stuff. Hey, uh, this is a big week for releases, not just for King Country, but on Tuesday this week, uh, Annie, your, your huge new book released, Remember God, um, it, I've been seeing the internet blow up about it all week. Has how have things been with uh, 
big book launch. I mean, this is a big deal. Yeah. This is like yeah. a lot of work and a lot of a lot of your life poured into this thing. And now it's out there for the world to see. Right? How are you? How's it going? It all feels very weird. And it's not even my first one. And it still feels super weird. But it's I know great. it's not your first one. I wasn't implying as you're, you're a rookie. No, no, no. I, I didn't saying, say you were. I didn't say you were. Right. I'm, I'm saying that my feeling, it's bizarre for it to feel weird to me because it's not like it's my first one, you know? Yeah. I'm thankful that my friends have told their friends about it and that people read it. And, you know, it's just one other way that, um, that I get to share the story that I'm living. And it's just one of the, just like podcasting, just like speaking all the things I do. And so, um, but I'm grateful it's out. I think that I, I think it's fun to see it out in the wild, you know? And you, you've, as Cameron alluded to, this is not your first rodeo. You are a seasoned cowboy at this point. Um, and you've written Thank on. You. That's my cow new intro. Girl. Cow person, yeah. Jesse. Author, speaker, seasoned cowgirl. Cow there you go. Uh, <laughs> That's happening on Tuesday's show. Yeah. So, but, but I, I'm, I'm curious why, you know, the, the, the theme of this book is kind of remembering God's characteristics, even when they don't seem evident. Right. And so like, why did you want to tackle that in a book. Yeah. You know what happened, Jesse? I don't know that you and I have ever talked about this. What, what kind of happened a year-ish ago, a little more than a year ago, is there was just a real disparity between what I had learned about God and what I was experiencing of God. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I, all these words that I learned and what the Bible said about who he was in my, in my history as a faith person was one thing and all, and what I was experiencing personally of him was very different. Like the Bible said he was kind and the Bible said he was loving and the Bible said he provided, but I wasn't feeling any of that. I wasn't seeing any of that. It wasn't even about my feelings. Like someone could look outside my life and look in and see that I wasn't experiencing that. And it just got, and honestly, I, I, I never really intended to make this a book. I just was trying to survive my life. You know, I was just trying to, to figure out, I said to someone at dinner last night, I said, um, it's not that I was wanting to write a book. It's that I wanted to either figure out if God is who he says he was, or if I was going to walk away from this. Wow. What, what in the, in the process of doing that, what, what was, because I mean, that, that's, uh, you know, that's too big, you know, important kind of options there. Like I'm either yeah. all in or all out, you know? Yeah, right. So, so what was, what was the thing that convinced you to stay all in? I mean, spoiler alert, you didn't say spoiler I'm alert. out. God is actually <laughs> yeah. who he says he is. Spoiler alert, <laughs> the, the, the titles, remember God, not forget God. So what was right. the thing? And I know you talk about this <laughs> in the book. That one should be the next one. I know this is, you yeah. know, but what in the course of kind of writing the book was some of the things that, convince you to stay in yeah you know actually and i bet y'all have experienced this too i have a lot of friends who have experienced this there it kind of is the glasses that you wear so I, i keep uh picturing like a circle where i was doing the very best i could and really trying to be who i thought i wanted to be and i kept being disappointed and then i'd circle back to I'm being who I'm, I'm doing the very best I can. I believe the God who he says he is. And then I get disappointed and I'd circle back down to that. And what ended up happening at some point is, is those two things switched. And instead I was going, man, I'm so disappointed. Well, I'm going to do the best I can. I'm so disappointed. I'm going to do the best I can. And I, what really ended up changing me was I kind of took off the glasses of I'm disappointed here and, and instead went, okay, if God is actually who he says he is, I need to wear those glasses. I need to see everything through the lens of if God is kind, where can I see that in my life? 
And when you are looking for that, you will find that. It's like when you're looking for butterflies or when you're looking for Jimmy John's or when you're looking for whether guys are single or married, that you are going to see what you are looking for. And, and so that just changed me when I, when I really, um, wrestled down the idea that, that I, I mean, I just decided I'm going to believe that he is who he says he is, even though my life doesn't show it. And I started seeing my life through that lens. I was looking on Amazon to see if there was a book called Forget God. Oh boy. And, and there's, there's not. So it's wide open for your sequel. Yeah, in case, <laughs> in case, they, um, in case you're, you're, you're your thoughts about this I whole run thing into this go the again? other direction. Gosh, I hope not. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, two, uh, there is a book called Let's Not Forget God by Cardinal Angelo Scola, which is essentially wow. remember God. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I mean, let's not, let's not forget God. You know, just, <laughs> uh, I like your brevity yeah, of words. I, th- I think you're, you're a much better you writer. for the more concise so title there. <laughs> yeah, I did. Just I did. a little clunky, a little roundabout there. Yeah, I just like the, the idea of, y'all know me really well. As much as I talk, I like the idea of a book title that was just two words with no subtitle. I just like, let's just say it. Remember God. That's the trick. How do you do this? Well, how do you believe that God is who he says he is? You just remember him, remember him for who he really says he is. And he will show up like that in your life. I think I always ask this for, because you know, the book writing, how long, how long do you take from when you conceive of a book, like the, the idea to when it's written, like how, how long is the process? Okay. So this is a, this is the truth is that I write fast, but I don't write well. (laughs) Like my first draft isn't very great. But like this how, one, how so is it riddled with like typos, grammar issues, profanity? Like what's wrong with the, with yes, the first all one? of those things. Just like twist. Life. It's always yeah. No, it just has a lot. Like I, so Jesse from literally, I went to England and Scotland for new years last year and I came home and my agent and I had already scheduled to go to California. I was speaking at an event out there and she was coming out and we were going to outline the next book. But I didn't know what it was going to be. And we go, we like rent this Airbnb and we've got all these sticky notes and all these things we're going to use to outline it. And I go, let's first, can we just go like walk on the beach and let me tell you the story. You're not going to believe what just happened when I was in Scotland. And I was like, I just want to tell you the story. And so we go walk on the beach and I tell her the story. An hour and a half later, she's like, that's your book. And I was like, no, it's not. I'm not telling hmm. anybody that that's private and that's really personal. And she was like, well, let's just outline it and work on it. So we started outlining it in a, in last January and it, ta- and I really wrote on it probably for six months. Um, and then we edited it for another three or four months in that process. What was the thing that like surprised you most? Oh gosh, that's a good question, Jesse. While you think um, about that, I, I was one time with an agent, we had a walk on the beach and I said, let me tell you a story about a book idea. <laughs> And I got done after about 90 minutes. And he said, you just described every plot point in the film Roadhouse with Patrick Spencer. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, you think we got a book? (laughs) You're like, exactly. Should I write it? (laughs) uh, You know, you you talk about how you write sloppy, your first draft. It's just just sloppy. You put it out there. Uh, Hemingway famously once said, write drunk, edit sober. Edit is that sober, what you do? Yeah. Is that what you did for Remember God? You just, for six months percent. while you're writing, is just a blur. And then yeah, that's three right. to four I mean, months I don't editing. actually remember any of the writing and I don't remember a minute of it. Yeah, yeah. Hemingway, you know, he's a good, good role model. Yeah. That's, I mean, I think that's a real, there is the reality of that quote. I used to be, that quote used to hang up in my office before my office was in a church. <laughs> but um, because I do think there really is something to writing uninhibited yeah. Yeah, and editing right. when you're wiser, which yeah. is why it's really important, especially for me with a book like Remember God that that is the most vulnerable 
uh, I, I don't like that word. It's it's the most personal book I've written. It's the one that tells the most of what was going on. Because the thing is, everybody's been watching my Insta stories and listening to my podcast the whole time I was living what is in Remember God. I just didn't tell anybody. And so the the beauty of an editor and having an agent and friends read it is is they allowed me to be really personal with my story, but they also took parts out that they were like, this isn't for everybody. This is for everybody. And, and actually, you need to write more into this part because you didn't tell the whole truth here. But this part we can take out because while that's really true, it doesn't move the story forward. And it's probably you're probably going to feel like that was too revealing when the book comes out. And so that's why you need those humans. I would imagine that that it's it's kind of like the first writing process. I feel this way with a lot of the writing that that I do too. You're really just coming up with the wet clay. Like you're really yeah. just getting everything that you can that you can possibly have to use out. And that and it feels like the hardest part because it takes a long time, but then you can get into the to the shaping and the actual crafting of it into a story that that makes sense and that is helpful for people and yeah. that is coherent. <laughs> because, yeah, I often uh, because think our, it'd be real funny if people got to read our first drafts of our articles and books and things and the last draft. Because I'm yeah. like, if people knew what the Funniest wet clay looks word. like versus the finished product, <laughs> it's just pretty different. Yeah, I, I, I recently wrote a story for the magazine and I think they could tell when the first you know, three note cards that I pulled out to outline the thing was about <laughs> encountering Mr. Tumnus after passing through the wardrobe. Um, they knew, they knew I may have been lifting some unintentionally, unintentionally sure, lifting sure. some material. I may have read this somewhere. So what was the thing that surprised you uh, during that process? Yeah. Um, what surprised me the most? I think the thing that surprised me, I mean, this is a terrible answer, but I think I didn't realize how much it would. I knew the experience was painful, but important. I didn't realize how much the writing would be painful, but important. Like I thought once I lived it, I'd be able to write it. And, and in this book, which I've never done before, I was only writing about six months behind what I was living. Does that make sense? So toward the end, I actually my writing caught up with my life and it didn't have the ending that I wanted. And so it was really hard to finish a book. And the and really the epilogue explains that of like, well, here we are. Like we did it, you know? And and um and so that surprised me that it was as painful as it was to write it. And but it was also healing and good and and so I, I'm grateful. But that was that surprised me. Tyler, you've been reading it. I haven't gotten done with it. Have you finished? Have you finished Remember God? No, yet? I haven't. No, it's magazine deadline week. It's unrealistic to expect us to finish a book on top of putting a magazine out. We will I've finish it this weekend. Up. Everyone, I'm not offended. Y'all are y'all, I am. Yeah, totally guys, fine. I'm no, offended no with myself. Anymore. I wanted to have it read before opening day. <laughs> I think I'm you'll sorry. really like the ending. The ending, I mean, this is one of those that it's worth pushing to the ending because the what what God did in the end is so extraordinary that I will never recover from it, really. What 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 was what was the reaction from people the the people who who have finished it? Um, I, I you know I know that obviously like it's just get, get releasing out into the world this week out in the wild. But you've had yeah, yeah. you've had editors and agents and family and different people uh, reading. What's the reaction yeah. been? And the fun part was that the people who pre ordered it got the audio book. Yeah. So you know six thousand people listened to it before it was even out. You know. Yeah. Um, it has been really fun, Jess, because it people feel like 
someone a lot of the kind of the thing a lot of people say to me, men and women both have said to me is like, while my situation may not look the same, I totally have felt some of those things that you yeah. felt. And I didn't know how to say it. I didn't mm. know what words to put to it. And and so that feels like such a gift to be a part of that in people's lives that you are able to put something into words that makes people feel seen and understood. And so that's been the most fun is the response of people going, whether they are in my life place or not, whether they're just like me or not, they feel like they have words for some of the things they've experienced with God. Yeah. Yeah. That's powerful. Don't you feel like sometimes powerful. the more personal you are, like the more specific the details are to, to your own life, to your own story, the more universal the finished product ends up being in kind of a weird way. I didn't way. know that was going to be true, but yeah, I didn't realize that. But yeah, I think so. It's really interesting. I didn't, I didn't predict that. I think people identify with the vulnerability. You know, yeah. like even if the details of the story aren't the same, the, you know, kind of rawness of the, those, you know, questioning God is very relatable, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think because my personality is, you know, Annie is very Annie. People are surprised when there is sadness in this story and people are surprised when there is things they don't know because they think they know everything from Insta story and from podcasts yeah. and from, you know. And so they're surprised when, oh, if she, if that loud, silly woman can, can really have to wrestle with depression and wrestle with sadness and, and figure out if God's really who he says he is, then maybe it's okay if I wrestle with that too. Absolutely. Yeah. That's powerful. Well, it's, it's a, it's a huge achievement, Annie, and we're all really proud of you. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm grateful. We're we're happy that you're sober again. (laughs) Who said that? After all that writing. I'm already working on the next (laughs) book. Who said I'm ever sober? Forget God isn't going to write itself. Yeah, yeah, Annie, I'm working working on my next one. And again, this is, you know, a lot of vulnerable details from my own personal life. Like the time I found out I was twin brothers with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito. It's an original that's never been told <laughs> and I can't wait for triplets to be out into the world I was about to say what's it going to be called do y'all ever think about writing books Cameron and Jesse and Tower I mean do y'all ever consider writing books no, I've I, I I've been approached by publishers over the years. I part, there's two two things on my reasoning. One, I, I I don't know. I I feel like if I was to write, uh, it'd be a lot about my my journey and you know with relevant and different things that the Lord's taught and shaped me along the way. And and I just like I feel like at what point am I ready to kind of like stop and tell the story? It's like I feel like I'm very mid midstream on it still. And yeah. then you look up and it's been 18 years, so it's like well maybe I'm not, but. Um, you know, I, I, I've always never felt like it was the point to stop and do it. And two, just capacity. Like I'd rather pour, pour all my creative energy and what the message God's birthing in me into what we're creating every day at relevant and shaping that and kind of that being the outlet. And I just don't feel like there's been a need for me to write a book. And so I always tell the publishers, thank you, but you know, not, not now, you know, I don't know, maybe one day it's just not on my radar at all. What about you guys? You guys both have kind of thrown some 
some noodles on the wall and the book. Well, I've had, I've had, and Annie, I think I've talked to you about this a little bit, maybe, yeah. but I've had, I've had, uh, not, not a lot, but I've, a couple of publishers have approached me over the years to ask. And, and I've told them that I've, that I have a, a, a novel that I've been working on and they, and it's like, like you turn on Dial the light on the cockroaches. got like, Oh, well, good luck with that. And <laughs> immediately gone. <laughs> Which is fine. I know that's not like the, the, the Christian publishing industry doesn't have a huge market, especially for, for novels that don't involve women in like corsets, like print, like gingham dresses on the cover, which is not what my novel is, is probably going to uh, involve very much of. So I hope to get another one like day, but I'll, I'll be starting pretty fresh with it. It'll be, it's, it's a, uh, but, but yeah, I, I, I'm working on one, still working on one. Uh, me and my wife both are, it's a pretty typical really? evening around here. Yeah. We're both of us on the couch trying to make it. Well, she's like, she's getting her master's degree. She's getting in, in, uh, in literature. She's a, She's, you guys can't see her, but she's dancing across from me right now. She hears me talking about her. But yeah, she's like a real writer, unlike me. She's like a, an actual novelist. I, I, I was dabbling in a really a personal story. Um, oh, gosh. About this, this, this guy I used to work for, actually, <laughs> who in a very untimely way, unexpectedly passed, um, sadly. But we had planned a big uh, party at a weekend house that he owned. Yeah. We brought his <laughs> brought his corpse. We put sunglasses <laughs> on. <laughs> I, I, I knew you were talking about Bernie. I thought you were telling a terrible story about Cameron. I was like, geez. No, no. If, no, I, 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 if I, I recall, there's only two people you've worked for post college, and I that's know. Cameron Strang yeah. and Pat Robertson. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I, 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 I too have dabbled well years ago and decided it wasn't for me uh, at the time it, and ma- mainly because I cribbed all of the plot points from 80s comedies but uh yeah <laughs> yeah but, but but yeah a lot of my creative energy these days is is really wrapped in in you know stuff that we do kind of day to day um there you go hey uh like I said we're gonna shake up the format uh stay tuned up next you will hear for king and country in the Rome studio you say you You're listening to Empress of, the song is Love For Me. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Codaline with Follow Your Fire. Well, like I said, uh, recently for King and Country came through the Relevant Studio. We filmed an interview with them, which we're going to, which you guys will see uh, soon on Relevant TV. And we also filmed a couple of great performances of uh, from songs from their new album, which are up now on Relevant TV. You can go over to the Relevant uh, YouTube channel if you... Uh, you know, prefer to view your, your content on YouTube, you can also go over to relevantmagazine.com and click RTV and uh, they'll be right there as well. Uh, without any further ado, here is for King country performing their new single. God only knows. Wide awake while the world is sound asleep and Too afraid of what might show up while you're dreaming Nobody, nobody, nobody sees you Nobody, nobody will believe it 
Every day you try to pick up all the pieces All the memories, they somehow never leave you Nobody, nobody, nobody sees you Nobody, nobody will believe it God only knows what you've been through God only knows what they say about you God only knows how it's killing you But there's a kind of love that God only knows God only knows what you've been through God only knows what they say about you God only knows the real you There's a kind of love that God only knows There's a kind of love that There's a kind of love You keep a cover over every single secret so afraid if someone saw them, they would leave If somebody, somebody, somebody sees you Somebody, somebody will never leave you God only knows what you've been through God only knows what they say about you God only knows how it's killing you But there's a kind of love that God only knows Understood and no one's to blame. What if we could start over? We could start over. We could start over. was for king and country make sure to check out their new album burn the ships it drops today
listening to Blood Orange. The song is Orlando. Sadly, it's about sad things about Orlando, not the awesome things. All right, it is time for In Case You Missed It. Hey, uh, in case you missed it, uh, Jesse, this week, Tori Kelly and Kirk Franklin brought church to the Late Late Show. Did um, they ever? Man. Did they? Uh, the duo played, they played the song Never Alone from Tori's recent gospel album, Hiding Place, and brought along a full choir of his, of course you would. Here's a clip. That was straight up. It straight up was like church on play night. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just like, hey, this is like a cool spiritually adjacent song with a choir. It was like, no, this is like a straight up worship gospel song on on the Late Late Show. It's very cool. I also like that Tori Kelly is just like coming forward with her faith music. Yeah, I mean, yeah, she's I mean, just this not is playing. A, this is not a pop album. This is categorically a gospel album. Yeah. I mean, it's like uh, you know, Scooter Braun is out there. You know, Justin Bieber's manager, her manager. Uh, is out there promoting a worship album. Yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. How much How much credit do you think we have to give to Kirk Franklin for the sort of like growing acceptance of gospel themes in pop music? Well, that's a great question. Huh? Yeah, I mean, I mean, he was obviously instrumental on on some of the Jesus tracks before Kanye went crazy. You know, and then, yeah, <laughs> dressed like a bottle of Sprite on SNL. Give me a break. Even in like the late '90s, when Stomp came out, they would play that in the club. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that was like, yeah, a, yeah. Like, like the first like, the new nation project cross, crossover. Literally uh, came out 20 years ago last week. Wow. I saw him post on Instagram. Yeah. Oh, really? The new nation project. And that yeah. was a really big deal. That was like that, and I feel like at the time, a lot Maybe of CCM didn't really stomp. know what to make of it because yeah. it was very popular. But it also had like I think Salt and Pepper were on there. Uh, well, there's I, I know that there was like a lot of controversy over some of the, the some of Kirk's friends who he brought on who are definitely from that world, but at the time whose names weren't really widely accepted or appreciated in a lot of Christian music. And Kirk was just really unapologetic about yeah. it. And he ended up being hugely successful, then kind of like I don't know, took a nap for a couple of years and, and now, <laughs> now he's, he's now everywhere. He's back, he's singing with Tori Kelly, Chance the Rapper, and Kanye Tyler, West. Tyler, I think to be to be accurate, I think only Salt appeared on the song. Peppa did not. I think it was only Salt. No, you <laughs> no, can't legally do it. That's in the contract. It's a, you yeah, have to you have can't have it. No, no, I'm being for real. There was no Peppa. I think it was just Salt. Um, well, I'm was, always going to pick Salt if I'm only going to get to pick one. So, all right. If you said if you said just salt, I would not assume that it was of salt and pepper. If it said, if it was on your track listing like featuring salt, no, like, no, oh, no, it was featuring first name. New- for, for, it was like Dwayne the Rock Johnson. They listed her as whatever salt, whatever. You know, that's what that's oh, how they were. Really? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, now you're going to tell me she has a she has another name? <laughs> hey, you mean she wasn't born salt? Much. I won't believe it. Conspiracy <laughs> theories are everywhere. Day. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, but seriously though, all this kind of like you know being transparent with with faith and kind of living living it out there. It's really 
inspired me for the memoir that I'm working on, uh, where I open up about something pretty traumatic that happened in my childhood, where <laughs> we were scheduled to go on a family vacation to Europe. And oh. um, the morning, my family <sighs> was supposed to leave. The alarms went off late and they rushed. I woke up and I was alone. And not only did I have the trauma of missing a vacation to Europe while my mother flew back and was forced to uh, hitchhike across the country in the back of a box truck with a jazz band. But I was forced to defend my home against a home invasion uh, (laughs) against two bumbling burglars. And it's a it's I mean, when you hear the story, it's It's, I mean, borderline unbelievable, (laughs) borderline. But I mean, it's, you know, I want to be real and I want to be out there. I I feel like it's relatable. I feel like everyone's had a similar experience. Where did your family go when they went on vacation without you? Uh, which time? <laughs> remarkably, it happened multiple times. Jesse, I, did, when, as you're writing the book, do you tell the full story? Do you tell about a couple of years later when you go to New York and, yeah. and those two burglars got out of prison? It, yeah, it's you wouldn't you it's it's a twist that is almost too hard to believe. <laughs> and a lot of people said is derivative of the first story and not as good, but it's I you know, I got to be it's my truth. I got to <laughs> I've got to put my truth out there. So, if I remember right, weren't didn't you get trapped in an FAO Schwartz that was being robbed by the same That's two burglars? Just feels almost to, Oh, I know. It's a, I know. It's, a, a, it's a harrowing world. tale. It's a harrowing tale. It's weird that so many publishers have have literally hung up on me mid pitch. <laughs> so, hey, in case you missed it, uh, this week uh, Chip and JoJo's Silo in Waco, uh, it was announced it's going to now host church services for the homeless. I knew we were going to talk about this. <laughs> They've invited a local congregation called Church Under the Bridge to hold their Sunday church services at their now famous Magnolia Market Silos. For years, Church Under the Bridge has met under an I-35 overpass where local churches take turns preparing free meals that served um, at the Sunday morning services. The service draws hundreds from the local homeless community as well as visiting worshipers from other churches. But with the state announcing a multi-year construction project on the bridge, they needed to find a new place to meet. The invitation to host the church has drawn praise from local officials who were trying to find a new home for it. A city councilman told the Waco Tribune, a church under the bridge is a powerful ministry that reaches a lot of people near and dear to the heart of God. This is the perfect location for it to flourish during the Interstate 35 project. There you go. I'll say this. Everyone in Waco seems like they have a heart of gold. Like every time I watch the show, (laughs) every, you know, like I read, I was reading about this. You had quotes from like the mayor, you had quotes from city council, you had, you know, Chip and Joe in the past and everyone in Waco seems like the best people ever. And not only that, you can find the best house or the worst house in the best neighborhood for really cheap. Like, oh yeah, it's like eighty dollars for a house there. Exactly. Like wait. it's basically it's basically a big Mayberry is the impression I yeah. get of Waco. <laughs> a giant. I, I think I don't even know that it's a big Mayberry. I think it's just a Mayberry. Well, no, it has like Baylor there. So I mean, at least, you know, it's a major university. Mayberry. Did, Bay- did Mayberry not have a college? No, Mayberry was off the main road. They I don't they know. didn't. Mayberry no. had they one municipal. 
municipal building, and that held a, <laughs> had a jail cell. And just a tiny jail. It was one municipal building that was a police station and a tiny jail cell peop, for people who had been... Uh, uh, let me try to say this delicately. Uh, the, their writing session had run a little long. <laughs> they needed to dry out for a while. They really, they really played up the humor of alcoholism uh, in that jail cell. Right? For, for, for all the good qualities of the Andy Griffith show, yeah. they did play a crippling... <laughs> crippling alcoholism Addiction. as yeah. a good joke. Like, just put him in the jail cell and let's make fun of him while he says absurd and things. And I'm not here to disparage the good people of Mayberry, but right. do you get the impression that maybe higher education wasn't a huge priority in that city? <laughs> <laughs> because outside of, outside of Andy, I feel like the after him, the intellect general intellectual uh, Malou really takes a nosedive. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Andy kind of holds it all together. And then, yeah, if you were to remove him from the equation... Like, like I feel like it would. I feel like that that Mayberry was one sheriff, you know, not being around to devolving into Lord of the Flies, (laughs) where everyone sustained themselves on you know knife fights and cane pole fishing. Like that was that would be the only way they could survive and whistling contests. Which is basically. I ever told you guys that I we weren't allowed to watch TV in my house growing up. Do y'all know this that we didn't watch TV Monday through Thursday? Yeah, there was no TV um, except when dad got home from work, he wanted to watch the Andy Griffith show. So I have seen every episode because it was the only TV show I was allowed to watch Monday through Thursday in my household. Growing up, we got to watch one episode after work, but before dinner. It's a very wholesome show. I learned a lot about positive family values. Other than the crippling alcoholism thing, it still holds up. I mean, there's there's crippling alcoholism. There's the I I watch it still. I mean, (laughs) I'll throw it on. It's it's it worked in my life. I've written a lot of books about it around it. Thanks to it. Alcoholism. Little, I still, I still get a kit. Like whenever, whenever I stop, stop and think about that being little Ron Howard, my mind is just exploded. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? With, yeah. What a wonderful universe! Like just an incredible life that I'm we all. I'm always live. more surprised about the happy days Ron Howard than I am the Andy Griffith Ron. He Howard. really he has had quite a career. Howard. That's There's a lot the of Ron Howard to, to blow your mind. Yeah. I mean, think about think about that. I mean, honestly, uh, what other person has been involved in as much influential? You know, like culture content. shaping television series, right? And, yeah. and movies, and I mean, Ron Howard directed a Star Wars movie. Like he's been everywhere. There's not his thumbprints yeah. are all over the entirety of American pop culture. I, I think about like Steve Kerr sometimes, Cameron, about how he was like on the best Bulls team, the best, the best Spurs team, and now, on the hosts, magic and now coaches the best Wizards <laughs> team and like uh, Wizards, uh, uh, Warriors teams. And it's like, who else could have this like, like this career that spans all these different teams and all these different roles? But I feel like Ron Howard occupies that for TV and movies. Like he's literally since he was how old is he when he plays Opie? Like six. Four. Right. Yeah. So little. Uh, yeah, maybe yeah, he uh, the early ones. He's really little. I mean, probably in the heyday, he's seven, eight, nine. But I mean, he started out really young, and then yeah, transitioned to Happy Days, and then uh, shockingly transitioned to being a very good director and filmmaker, right. yeah. and then creating incredibly influential. I mean, you could make a case that there hasn't been a more influential entertainment. If you're person. going from cradle I mean, to the grave, like his that's entire what I'm life, like, yeah. maybe life. Clint Eastwood, maybe. He wasn't a child actor, yeah. though. I mean, I'm saying you know cradle to the grave <laughs> and been more involved in more eras, right? Because you, you had the innocent 60s, you had the influential, you know, the 70s with Happy Days. 
You, and then he, he took a little gap for 10 years and became a creator. And then you got him 80s, 90s. and t- I mean, that's crazy. Think about well, that. Let's not forget about his Arrested Development work. Oh, of that course. Would yeah. be, that'd be half oh, sure. the show without Ron Howard's voice work on it. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah, that's true. And producing it. Yeah. And, and I mean, his daughter's having a nice career as well. He's in Jurassic yeah. Park. Oh, I didn't know that. What does yeah. she do? She's, she's in Jurassic Park. She's yeah. the, the Bryce Dallas Howard. What? Yeah. 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 You guys, my so mind is blown. generational now. Yeah. Know? That's cool. Yeah, I'm going to think on it to see if I can think of anyone else who's had that kind of like run since. I mean, yeah, multi-generate. The thing is multi-era, you know, like pivotal yeah. multi-era and, and not only multi-generational in that family, his brother's Clint Howard. Yeah, that's right. true. <laughs> I mean, Are he, they just, did they just grow up in L.A.? Were their parents famous? I, that's a good question. I have no Ooh, idea. I silenced you all, all you culture I nerds. Know. I silenced I you all. The, their family history. I will say. I, I will say. I don't think he's obviously. His parents are Rance and Gene Howard. So I, you I know, know I, 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 the another one who another career that spanned a lot, but I hasn't been nearly as you know, especially in like filmmaking. But like Jeff Bridges started as a kid on his father's Lloyd Bridges show Sequest. He was only oh. he was probably only ten or eleven Sequest. on Sequest, um, and then he went on to you know have a, a run of TV shows and ha- has had a pretty good movie career. I mean, he's still making really good movies. He's right. had bad times at the El Royale. Yeah, um, that's true. You know, um, I mean, I, I mean, you could say Drew Barrymore. You know, starting out with ET at five years old, but I mean, she hasn't really become the creator. That yeah, yeah like she's on the other side. Of the yeah, I think yeah. she produces, well, well, but I don't and, think and she's. A, and that's why I said you could you could maybe make a case for someone like Clint Eastwood, even though he wasn't a child actor. Like he was one of the biggest like movie stars during his peak, but now he's probably one of the most important directors working right now. I mean, he's he's won multiple Oscars for his directing. You know, oh, but mm-hmm. when was the last time Clint? made a movie that everybody really had everybody talking because I feel like he Grand Torino. He, I feel like the spark is kind of, it's kind of withered a little bit, what about, which is uh, fine. I, American sniper in Grand Torino. I, I mean, American like, sniper was a bit, was a big deal, but there's huge. also the, what was the one, the, the train movie that he released earlier this year with the, based the, on the, the, Paris, the knife attack the yeah, with the real, what? with the real guys who are involved in it. That's a, yeah. Yeah, that was kind of an odd movie because it was like semi-scripted. So here's some child child actors that are still relevant, okay? Okay. Um, uh, Fred Savage. He produces. He, 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 you know, he produces always sunny. And I feel like we need another 30 years on Fred Savage to determine if he is going to equal up with um, Ron Howard. Ron Howard, yeah. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Yes, please. Sure. Yeah, big one. Yeah, but he. But again, I, I don't think he's a director yet. No, no, that's right. He's still just an actor. Yeah, right. Um, I'm looking. Uh, Gary Coleman. I'm. I'm sorry. <laughs> Poor Gary. R.I.P. Wow. Gary Coleman. Wow. Jaleel White. Urkel. I mean, he's now in sports writing. I mean, he's he was done, he's very funny on the award show on the Emmys. Uh, Mark, our producer, he just showed me Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. He, you know, think back in the yeah. '80s, big and all that era, and prior to that, he was in a lot of sitcoms. Um, but was he uh, ever? Yeah, he wasn't a child no. star, was he? Uh, George Clooney was in Facts of Life yeah. in the eighties. Yeah, 
I think we're, we're sleeping on a real titan of entertainment that I'm surprised none of us have come up with yet. What about Kirk Cameron? Oh, well, they, Cameron is related to him, so he probably doesn't bring him up because of family <laughs> yeah, stuff. He doesn't want to, you know. He has acted. He's directed. He's written some of these movies that he's appearing in now. The Christmas one he did. Uh, I believe there was probably some sort of singing career that I don't know about. I'm going to just assume there. Also, can we can we just make this? A, a, this is purely a, an observation. We have not listed a woman or a person of color. Drew Barrymore. Oh, you did say Drew Barrymore. I was like, it is fast, and and I'm not talking about y'all. I'm thinking I can't think of any either. I wonder if that's just the era of era of the '60s and '70s, and and the opportunity for women. I wonder if in 40 years we'll have child actors from the '90s and the early 2000s who have done what. Ron Howard has done yeah, now I mean, that are from all sorts of different ethnic backgrounds and both genders yeah. and all that kind of stuff. I was reading about this uh, recently, just how much, I mean, I, I don't, this is a surprise to anybody, how much of Hollywood is nepotism, um, which oh, means yeah, that you sure. need, uh, you, you, you need a front door. You need somebody who can get you in the, right. the front door. And a lot of times because the, so many of the, the really old gatekeepers, there are the legacy producers, uh, casting directors are white men that just, continues to breathe as for his reputation as a real liberal enclave. Hollywood still is very, very conservative in a lot of ways, uh, particularly when it comes to things like uh, to, to things like that. So I do think you're going to start seeing I, I think you're right. I think it'll start diversifying. I think that having somebody like like Will Smith and, and Jada, they're now their kids are starting to become yeah. more yeah. influential within that. Okay, sphere. Will Smith, he would be he would be one that yeah. I would think. Mm-hmm. I think so could, too. Could go the Ron Howard direction. And, 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 and just from like a pure, just from filmmaking standpoint, I, you know, I was listening to discussion about the the career of Spike Lee. You know, he, he released Black Klansman this year. You know, he's been making really good and important movies for like over 30 years, like a three decade run of, um, you know, being able to do critically acclaimed movies that are still relevant and still getting funny is really, really impressive. And if we're talking Spike Lee and Will Smith, I mean, their influence spanned outside of just television and film. I mean, Spike Lee, obviously, with marketing Will Smith is probably a great one. Yeah, you know, uh, Spike Lee with, you know, c- culture shaping through marketing and obviously the Jordan stuff in the 80s with Mars Blackman. And, you know, so he's been influential on culture shaping. Will yeah. Smith, obviously, you know, multimedia stuff. So I would say actually Will Smith might be getting in that trajectory of Ron Howard. Influence. I think so, too. I think yeah. so, too. Yeah. Uh, if you're talking about 90s guys who or people who may kind of turn that direction, uh, Keenan Thompson. I mean, it's tough to say he's not on that track. I mean, Keenan, Keenan could go a lot of directions right now. If yeah. Keenan's post SNL career yeah. does go, ends up being something pretty special and it really could be, then he's definitely part of that. Shia LaBeouf, Joaquin Phoenix. I mean, there's, I mean, well, and, and even, uh, Meryl Streep has, I mean, her first movie I think was like in the late seventies and she's still like a list of a list, you know, like that's a really mm. impressive run. I mean, she's arguably one of those, yeah. you know, important influential people in Hollywood, you know, it'll be cool to see if this, uh, if a star is born takes Gaga's career in that sort of direction too. like, if she yeah. can prove to be a multi hyphenate, like 
singer songwriter yeah. uh, also actor then then she could be and, and it's bradley and it's cooper's directorial yeah, say, debut yeah. it might it might be a turning point for bradley cooper on the right. music and directorial side i mean we could be looking at bradley cooper oscar winning director by the end of he, the year i mean That'd he, be he, cool. he said that he Shocking. he kind of um you know looks at clint eastwood as sort of like a career role model of someone who transitioned from kind of being <gasps> clint eastwood and, would probably be in our list yeah, yeah. To, to a leading man to director you know yeah. Speaking of uh, culture shaping comebacks, in case you missed it, Avril Lavigne released a very worshipful comeback song this week. Pop singer stepped away from music for a while as she battled Lyme disease. But last week, she released a new song called Head Above Water from an upcoming album, which was written while she was suffering from the disease. She describes being at a low point and turning to prayer. She said, I prayed, God, please help to keep my head above the water. In that moment, the songwriting of this album began. It was like I tapped into something. It was a very spiritual experience. Lyrics flooded through for, uh, through me from that point on. Here's a clip of Head Above Water. God keep my head above water. There you go. Uh, you know, Lyme disease uh, famously being spread by ticks. What you probably want to do is not have your head above water. You want to put it underwater to drown the tick and uh, get them out of there. Uh, she didn't learn her lesson. That's I love why she got Skater Boy. That song, that song bound us together forever. I love that song. She likes misspelling things. Skater Boy, B-O-I. Yeah. Her name is actually April. Uh, she's, <laughs> her name is April Levine, and Thinking she made it Avril to be edgy. There you go again. Yeah. Her name is April Levine. <gasps> she changed it to Avril. So she was edgier when she started her pop career. Oh, yeah. I like her even more. I'm tying my, I'm tying myself tighter to her. I thought Skateboard <laughs> was all I needed to be a lifelong fan. But if you tell me she changed her name to Avril, I am so in. So like that would be like you uh, being one to be edgy. So instead of Annie, you're anti, yeah. anti, anti <laughs> downs. Have you guys read the real conspiracy? This is real. This is not from my head. The real conspiracy theory that Avril Lavigne actually died a few years ago, and that woman we know as Avril Lavigne now is a is a look like a doppelganger. I've heard that. What? Yeah, the, of course. Like, there's a, yeah. If you Google Jesse, it, you've heard that, right? I you'll have fall, heard it. Yeah. You'll fall into the well. It's it's a deep hole. Yeah, because there's a lot of people doing side by side pictures and how it's not her. And how would we ever know? How this one this this one feels like a twenty three and me. It's pretty easy DNA test. Well, I mean, well, what's the movie? Is it Dave? Where the president's body double? Where the president uh, <laughs> is it? Dave? Hey, it reminds me of this this book I'm working on actually, where <laughs> I had a remarkable resemblance to the man who was elected president of the United States. They often use me in different situations to shake hands and make appearances. Because the president was secretly battling an illness and died. And they put, they instilled me into the White House as president. It's a fascinating book, and I've got a lot of publishers in, interested in it. <laughs> I've never, I've been doing this podcast with you for 15 years. I've never heard the thought actually occur to you midstream and your voice <laughs> yeah. changed when you went into a bit like that. That was hilarious. <laughs> You're like, what Just did that see movie, the gears Dave? turning, man. <laughs> Picture this little peek behind you the, see the gears right. turn pre bit. You know, I can see the wheels turning on Skype, and then like yeah. you jump right into it. But that one was midstream. That was amazing. I know that wasn't the most smooth transition, <laughs> but uh, the joke was sitting right out there for me. So was, you knew I had to take That's it. Right. You knew I had to oh, take man. it. Hey, in case you missed it, the premiere of the 30th season of The Simpsons featured a takedown of Christian movies. 
uh, in the episode called Bart's Not Dead, Bart pretends to have briefly gone to heaven after being injured in an accident. Historia attracts the Christian producers of faith-based movies, Crazy Rich Aslans, and there's something about Mary Magdalene, oh, who uh, want to adapt Bart's story into a movie. Uh, from there, the show uh, took its criticism of Christian culture head on. Uh, in the movie, Bart encounters Jesus in heaven, and after some questions from him, uh, from Bart, pertaining to how he should share his story, movie Jesus replies, and if they doubt you, Viciously attack their character. <laughs> Here's a clip from the episode. Homer, we're the best in the business. Our films average 98% on rotten communion wafers. Now we'd like to tell your son's story. You want to make a movie out of what happened to Bart? Why, absolutely. Unless it's not true. Okay, I could admit the boy totally lied. Or I could make a movie inspired by true events. <laughs> Brother Homer, why do you hesitate? I hesitate because I am stunned that you doubt the word of God. <gasps> there you go. Wow. Yeah, The Simpsons 30 years later. Like, well, one, it's impressive that this is they're kicking off their 30th season. And I watched the, the premiere and I, I, I feel like it's not as obviously not as not novel as it used to be. But and and. You know, I think a lot of people, it has to live up to its past, which when it shows as legendary as The Simpsons is very difficult to do. But I still appreciate their ability to take on, you know, contemporary issues in a way that only they can. You know, yeah. it's still a lot of fun. I, I my only question about The Simpsons, I mean, number one, the, the staying power as their brand of comedy kind of got co-opted and uh, I think perfected with the South parks and the, uh, yeah, uh, sure. all the adult animation, yeah. not adult, but grown up animation that we have now. Um, it, it's amazing to me that there's still, there's still an audience because it seems obviously very, very tame. You know, their yeah. thing was edginess, you know, in the early, yeah. and now that, that the cultural taste has changed. So it's amazing. They're still around Two, I'm shocked that they survived the Apu, uh, right debacle yeah, last year. Really? That, I, I thought that was gonna be their blackfish. That I mean, they, they just, really survived it. <laughs> I mean, that that I that you know, SeaWorld has not recovered from blackfish, and yeah. I thought I thought the Simpsons would not recover from once everybody's eyes were open to the kind of backwards insensitivity, and then the way they bungled it. You know, just they handled I, it really poorly, really yeah. poorly. It, yeah. It's just one of those things that like the show didn't evolve. The show didn't. It just almost like now you're kind of going and we watched the Andy Griffith show. It's like uh, you can't say you can't kind of portray alcoholism that way. And I'm just kind of going uh, you can't kind of have racial stereotypes that way. I'm really shocked that they're still doing it and right. able to do it yeah. and have chosen to do it. It's kind of weird to me. Yeah. Well, I think Hank Azaria, who portrays Apu, you know, there's questions of whether he'll continue to portray the character. Um, you know, he's even said he doesn't know what he'll do because I because, you know, the, the, that show is not like South Park and that South Park, their production cycle is like six days, you know, like right. they produce yeah, their episodes literally. really quick it's amazing. where the Simpsons is pretty traditional in that they work on these things for like months. So I think this season think will really kind of be cycle. the one where it's kind of make or break, especially for that character, you know? Yeah. Uh, and lastly, in case you missed it for the first time in history, two women led an NFL broadcast this week, Hannah storm and Andrea Kramer, two of sports, most well-respected female reporters led Amazon prime videos, streaming broadcast of 
The Thursday game between the Rams and Vikings becoming the first female duo to broadcast an NFL game. In the past, uh, women have reported games, but they've always uh, done that alongside a male analyst or play-by-play commentator, former player, former coach. Um, they're going to continue to be in the booth for Thursday night games throughout the season. And Andrea Kramer said, with decades of experience as storytellers, we will be bringing a different voice and viewpoint to covering the game of football. Super cool. Yeah. yeah, I think it's really cool. Yeah, I think especially with <laughs> they've had so many misses with like former players who like look th- so, some some of them can offer um, you know in you know player insights into games, but I would rather have two professional broadcasters in a booth, you know, uh, like what Amazon's doing with Hannah Storm and Andrea Kramer, who you know are seasoned at being able to like be engaging and entertaining while you're watching the game because i mean you look at like i mean you don't want to call them out but like jason witten or somebody just isn't that good mm-hmm. you know um yeah. I, I i would i wish they would make the jump from the streaming to uh broadcast but it's a good step in the right direction yeah it's a fan i think it's an interesting different i mean it's just different to do it streaming it's just showing that they're kind of moving one step forward on a streaming platform. I actually think it's kind of fascinating. Yeah. And, and there's, you know, uh, a strong argument to be made that it's already happened or it's very close to being that there isn't a second tier status to Amazon prime now broadcast versus, you know, traditional. I mean, there's yeah. huge audiences yeah. that would not have access to the traditional network broadcast in Amazon prime. Now's their primary football experience. So, you know, I, I mean, even now, like uh, after the Emmys, I went and, dusted off my prime now account and like looked and cause I wanted to see the, the amazing Mrs. Madel or whatever. Yeah. Miss you know, Maisel. Ma- the marvelous Maisel. Mrs. Maisel. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, yeah. uh, won like eight Emmys and you know, just yeah. cleaned up and I started to watch the first show. Uh, my eight year old was in the room and all the profanity was like, well, we're not going to watch that. But while I'm now I'm in Amazon prime now I'm looking around and, uh, the, uh, Fred Armisen and Maya Rudolph show was sitting right next to it. Caught my eye forever. It's called forever. Yeah. One episode, or one I season. It it's phenomenal. It's so good. Just FYI, go watch it. It's really good. My, my, really? Maya Rudolph, Maya yeah. Rudolph and Paul Thomas Anderson, I think are my favorite Hollywood couple. Yeah, that's like, a power couple. No, that's a power couple right there. They got all the bases covered. Johnny Swim and, the, and them. Couple goals right there. Yeah. Oh, yep. yeah. Uh, okay. Well, that'll do it for In Case You Missed It. Stay tuned. Up next for King and Country. Join us once again. You're listening to Alt J featuring Pusha T. The song is In Cold Blood. It's the uh, Twin Shadow version. Well, like we mentioned earlier today, the Grammy-winning duo of Joel and Luke Smallbone released their third studio album, Burn the Ships. Uh, Like their previous releases, the album is an exploration of faith, but also anxiety, mental health, and ultimately hope. Uh, They talked to us about all that uh, in an interview, which... We were doing kind of like a kind of just normal Q&A, fun little banter, kind of quick stuff for video. And then at the very end, like it took a turn uh, when we were talking about the new album. And it is a gripping and vulnerable 
thing. Uh, I can't wait for you guys to hear that. Maybe we'll do it on the podcast here in a couple of weeks, but uh, the video interview we did with them about this album, it's really great. Make sure to go check out the live or the videos of these performances. They are gorgeous uh, over on the YouTube channel, uh, Relevance YouTube channel and over at the website, um, at Relevant TV. Well, without any further ado, here is for King and Country performing Joy. It's never gonna Gotta get that fire, fire Back in my bones Before my hard heart Turns into stone So somebody please Pass the megaphone I'll shout it on the count of three
joint down in my heart Down in my heart to stay I need the joint, 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 joint Down in my heart Down in my heart to stay there you go. You're going to be humming that. I'm telling you right now, you're going to be humming that song for the next. That's why we played it second. That's going to be stuck in your head. Okay. It's time for your feedback. Well, last week on the show, we got talking about um, Carson Wentz's uh, ministry there in Philadelphia. He has a food truck, a Christian food truck to feed the homeless called Jesse. Thy kingdom crumb. Thy kingdom crumb. <laughs> I got us thinking about all the Christian. Uh, uh, yeah, it's it's a dad joke of food truck names, and it's horrible. Like, you know, I, I support the calls, but if I saw a food truck name that, I'd be obligated to run it off the road. I like it. <laughs> so I got us thinking about <laughs> all those like Christian coffee shops, all those, you know, Christian bookstore names, just bad Christian puns, business names. We, uh, we asked you for the question week last week, what are your favorite or, you know, Christian business bad names, uh, either real ones or ones you want to start? You hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast. You also posted on the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. Here's a few of our favorites. There were so many. So many. I love um, Shane Dennis has a couple. He said for a math tutoring service, call it Sermon on the Count. <laughs> so like, oh my God. And then he said for a speech therapy, calling it Babylon speech therapy services. <laughs> it's good. I'm telling y'all puns are so my like. My, the center of my favorite comedy. So I have been LOLing at all these. All right. VC had um, a health food store called Garden of Eaton. <laughs> Eaton, he said. Got uh, it. How about this? <laughs> how about um, this one? This one, you know, yeah, think about it for a second. This is a thinker. It's a missionary car dealership that only sells convert. Corbin Birch has one. Uh, Beachfront Chinese restaurant, walk on water. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, A a Christian laundromat or a clothing resale store, loads and britches. Oh, well done. (laughs) Uh, A Christian egg seller, equally yoked, of course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I like Samson and Delilah's hair salon. (laughs) (laughs) And a uh, Catholic car repair shop, the Crucy. Fix auto. Crucifix oh, auto. D- Derek on Twitter literally sent 30. <laughs> Derek. Yeah, a lot of people so got on a hot tear. There's a lot of like, there's a, a lot of people just like, you guys been thinking about this? Yeah. yeah. And some of them. <laughs> uh, the thief comes security systems. Um, <laughs> spare, spare the rod daycare. I don't know if I'm sending my kid to that one. Um, <laughs> Doubting Thomas private investigators. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Andrew's got Andrew's got one here. Uh, love the podcast, but it will not play on the Google Podcast app. I'm not sure I get the joke there. <laughs> <laughs> Goliath protein powder, um, <laughs> right side fishing company. That's a deep cut. Oh, that's a, yeah, uh, that's that's a Bible yeah, nerd that's one. A, it's good. Yeah, uh, finding your Boaz dating services. That wouldn't shock me if that's a real yeah, thing. Yeah, I feel like that um, that may already exist. There's I feel chance. like me and Jesse may be unleashed to find your Boaz dating service on some relevant joke. Like, does that <laughs> ring a bell, Jesse? Yeah, I, I, I feel like at some point we did like it, it was uh, it was some sort of dating thing where it, it, we, where the joke was all about finding Boaz. <laughs> uh, David Varela says a, a, if their music career doesn't work out, there's a promising opportunity for a country breakfast diner named 
forking and country. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> forking that and is country. their um their Twitter or something or their Instagram is forking and country, which I've always uh, thought was funny. Thy, thy will be done legal offices and mortuary services. <laughs> <laughs> thy will be done. Get it? Yeah. Did you already say the dentist office that Kyle gave us crowned with many crowns? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tally Mac said, uh, uh, Christian coffee shop name, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abindigo. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, for all the Christian Jeez. coffee shop one. I don't think I've ever heard that one before. That's, That's pretty a good. good. Tagline, one. we're roasting all day long. Oh, that's We're really roasting good. all day long. <laughs> <It's> pretty dark. <laughs> Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were roasting all day long. Oh, that's from, good. From, from, from Kenny, this one, again, this is, you know, it requires some Bible knowledge, but Saul DePaul optical care. Take <laughs> 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 the scales right off the eyes. Rebecca Hancock, a uh, uh, mall kiosk pop-up for threading and waxing, brow down before him. Brow down before him? Oh yeah, my gosh, that's brilliant. <laughs> Oh, this is from Kenny. Lazarus Lawn Care. We resurrect your dead lawn. <laughs> uh, there's a lot more that came from. Go check it. Just do yourself a favor and go check out our Twitter feed. Um, okay. It's time for this week's editorial question of the week. Okay. Well, earlier in the show, we got talking about Mayberry and how for as great of a show as it is, looking back through current a uh, current lens might have had a little bit of a problematic uh, representation of crippling alcoholism, um, and you know things that you know shows today wouldn't would never do. Um, it got us thinking about other shows we all grew up on that maybe not that they don't hold up, but they're thinking about plot points or characterizations. Uh, maybe didn't question. stand the test of time. Maybe, maybe yeah, <laughs> you know. Uh, not yeah. not the thing of like, oh, an alien's living with the family and he eats cats. So we're not talking about that. That's universal. That's timeless. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, we're talking about, yeah. you know, uh, uh, Perfect Strangers, Balky and Larry. I mean, there's things that like... Yeah. Maybe, you don't know who that uh, is. <laughs> 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 you, guys are, you guys are making TV. up a show and I, I don't know why. I don't know what you think is funny Tyler, about it. This is, this is shocking to me. This came up on the last episode, but Tyler, I feel like is a very knowledgeable person when it comes to pop yes. culture. The fact that not, it's not the fact that you haven't seen perfect strangers, but you weren't aware of its existence. I find that baffling. I, he grew up homeschooled in Nebraska. What do you want from you guys him? are making up a TV show and I don't know why. I don't know what your end game I, is. here. I, I don't know what the profit <laughs> part of this scam is, but it's not going to work. I just love that show. I'm work. just surprised because I think you would like it. <laughs> so we want to know shows you grew up with that you loved at the time that maybe looking back upon them, there were elements of the show that might be problematic today. There you go. Hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast, or you can post your longer replies on the podcast episode page, this podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. Well, many thanks to for King and Country uh, for joining us. You can follow them on Twitter for King. No, I'm kidding. It's the number four King and Country uh, on Twitter. Uh, their new album, Burn the Ships, is out today. And I'm telling you, you don't even need to go stream it because Joy is going to be stuck in your head nonstop because you just heard it. Um, <laughs> hey, also go out and get um, our very good friend and person, Annie F. Downs' new book, yes. Remember God is out now. And uh, you can join our ongoing book club as we finish it after magazine deadline. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, you might have heard Thank me mention uh, months and months and months ago, maybe years ago at this point, that uh, relevant 
podcast merchandise is going to be available at the relevant store. And uh, many of you have gone looking for it and then would tweet us uh, just incredulously, where is it? We had other things going on, but here's the deal. The store is launching. Oh, yes. I didn't even know that. That's great uh, news. We have three three elements of things at good old relevant store. One of them is obviously all of the media we make, our, our magazines, our, back in the day, our old books. They're all there. There's a newsstand section to the store. There's also kind of statement uh, apparel section, um, things that aren't like promoting relevant at all. They're just statements of cause or things that we believe in and we stand for and whatever, and you might too. So check that out. We'll be continually uh, putting new designs up there. And then there's a podcast fan section uh, as well. So some inside joke stuff, some some show gear and swag uh, will all be there as well. We want to know what products you know, you want to see stoking the podcast fan section. Um, you know, are there key phrases uh, uh, from the show? Like if famously, we used to use the tagline that somebody posted on Twitter. I don't know. Like they were listening. Oh, it was a review on iTunes, actually. And they were, they, they rated the show and their review was simply, I don't know what's happening, but I like it. And uh, we loved that. And we started putting it on mugs and stuff. Things like that. What do you want to see in the podcast fan shop? Our designers will are, uh, put it up and we'll put it up there in the store for you. So hit us up and let us know. Also, speaking of uh, iTunes, head over to iTunes. And if you like the show, leave leave a review and, and rate it. And it helps other people find it. If you don't like the show, keep it to yourself. Um, and if you like the show... You should subscribe to our magazine. Our new issue just is going to the printer this week. Uh, it's very exciting. We won't tell you who's on the cover yet because we still want you to go experience the Johnny Swim issue. Go over to relevantmagazine.com. You can view the whole thing there. But it, you know it supports us, and I think you'll like it to get the actual paper edition mailed to your house, and you can leave it on your coffee table and impress your friends. So head over to relevantmagazine.com slash subscribe for a special deal. Well, on that note, we will wrap things up. Uh, I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Chandler Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Tyler Huckabee. And I'm Annie F. Downs. Go get Remember God. And we will see you on Tuesday. Thank you for listening to The Relevant Podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Check out other shows from The Relevant Podcast Network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com. And while you're there, browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store. Make sure to subscribe to Relevant Magazine. Info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe. We have the songs that we sing Like the time I found out I was twin brothers with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito. Relevant Podcast Network.